Hi, and welcome to the Calvary Corp Podcast. This year, we're going to the Gospel of John and getting a fresh look at who Jesus is through his teachings, miracles, and actions. We hope that you're blessed and encouraged by the following message. Well, hey, thank you so much to David for the reading. Uh, thanks for the kids' moments. Uh, I know that everyone's going to be... Uh, frantically counting how many times I use the word presence uh, during this uh, message. Uh, and thanks so much, uh, Erica and uh, your dad, Jan, for leading us in those songs of worship. Well, what we're doing now is we're going to dive back into the book of John. Uh, we've been studying the book of John for most of 2020, and we're going to continue into this uh troubling and tumultuous year, uh, we're going to be receiving just like comforting words uh, from Jesus. Um, he spoke these words to his disciples when they were experiencing um, a lot of like chaos in their outer lives and also in their inner lives. Uh, Jesus spoke these words of uh, comfort and truth. And uh, if I were to title uh, today's sermon, uh, it'd be The Promised Presence. Uh, Jesus speaks his word and also makes changes in their lives and the world that bring peace to their troubled hearts because of his promised presence. So with that, I'm going to uh, lead us in a brief prayer and then we'll look into John chapter 14. So, Father in heaven, um, here we are. Uh, we're all in our own sitting rooms. Uh, we're all scattered uh, across Cork City and Cork County and even far beyond. Uh, but we're here. We're united in your name. We're gathered together for a purpose. Um, although our gatherings look different and they're mediated by technology, I pray that, Spirit, that you would be causing a unifying effect to take place to all of us as we watch this together, uh, to all of us as we have John chapter 14 open together, all of us as we're even praying to you right now. Uh, we want to pause for just a moment of silent reflection as we think about the people within our church, the others who are watching this very uh, video right now. Uh, we just want to pause and just bring to our minds their faces or their names and just remember them to you together. So let's pause for a moment and just think about the other members of our church and Pick one of them and pray for them. And Lord, we're not together. We're not face to face. We wish we could be. Um, but we do just acknowledge that you have uh, brought us together, Lord. You've redeemed people from every tongue and tribe and kindred. You've redeemed people all over Cork City and County. 
And together, we want to give you our attention. We want to be learning from you. We pray that you can just be speaking words of truth and comfort to our anxious hearts. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so even even just simple acts like that of consciously praying for one another, I think are valuable routines and rituals and habits that we should continue during this extended time of separation. Uh, Not only should we pray for one another, perhaps you could even let somebody know that you've been praying for them. Let's fight against the isolation. We said it a lot in 2020, and we're saying it again now. We're on our own, but we're not alone. And that really ties in to what Jesus is going to say to his disciples um, and to us in today's passage. Uh, Thanks again to David for reading it to us um, so well. Here's what I think the main message of this section is, and here's what we, Calvary Cork, should hear right here, right now. Jesus has not abandoned you. In fact, through the Holy Spirit, God is with you now and empowers you to live for him in these challenging days. That sentence right there, that's the big idea of of today. I wish I could have phrased it in a punchier, catchier way, but but that is the truth of this morning's sermon, that Jesus has not abandoned you. You know, we feel um, a real sense of loss these days. I mean, I don't know if you did it um, when I (laughs) asked you to, but did you pull up someone's face Did you think of somebody by name just a few minutes ago? Did you pray for them? Uh, Likely it's somebody that you care about, uh, but it's somebody that you haven't seen. Uh, And so we pray about them and it's a, we pray for them as a expression of absence and and loss. And uh, we miss you and we, we pray for you. Well, this whole time that we're going through, all of us have experienced, whether severely or even minorly, all of us have experienced like the loss of beloved people or even routines that give comfort. They're all absent from us in these days. Um, I've, I've read about kind of a concept called uh, abandonment anxiety. Uh, there's, there's people that have lived through um, like trauma or loss in the past and kind of because of that or as a reaction to that have a hard time developing meaningful relationships in the future. Um, I, I kind of wonder, like, is the world going through a time of trauma and loss And I wonder how are we going to be able to interact with others in the future? Well, John chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, this section of John that we're privileged to look through, it's like this emotionally charged dinner. And Jesus drops this like bomb in the middle of the dinner. He tells them the bad news that he is going to be leaving them 
that he's going to depart from their lives, that they'll be seeking after him and they will not find him. He announces that. And in chapter 13, 14, 15, the disciples, they don't seem to be taking it very well. Uh, you know, uh, people talk about like the five stages of, of grief. You know, there's times of uh, bargaining and denial and anger. And, uh, you know, we see some of these present in the disciples. Uh, denial, no, bargaining. Well, explain this to me, but, you know, um, all of these things kind of take place yeah, kind of in miniature during these times. Uh, and whether that's uh, an under appreciation of the stages of grief or me reading too much into the passage, here's the reality. Jesus said that he's gonna leave the disciples and they're upset about it and they're processing it. And so they're asking questions and Jesus is answering those questions about what life is gonna be like for them without the presence of Jesus physically before them. Jesus tells the disciples that he's going to leave them in chapter 13. And then in chapter 14 and onwards, he explains that though he is leaving them, that they're not going to be abandoned and they're not going to be orphaned. In fact, I wonder if Jesus leans over and says to them, you're going to be on your own, but you're not going to be alone. Um, you get the feeling though, as we kind of in our mind's eyes, we think about what's taking place in that upper room dinner party, as there's predictions of betrayal and denial, as there's skirmishes and arguments breaking out uh, across the table, you kind of get the impression that they're not taking it very well. And you also kind of wonder, like, is this Jesus movement going to outlast the life of its charismatic leader, Jesus himself? Um, his, like, lovable, bungling interns don't really inspire the confidence that, that they kind of need or that we need when we think of, is this movement going to outlast its founder? I mean, think about uh, Apple Industries, you know, after the death of Steve Jobs. You know, such a visionary, um, such a powerhouse, and then the new CEO has some really big shoes to fill. Uh, we think about various even sporting teams and their coaches or, or their manager. You think about what Liverpool is going to be like after Jurgen Klopp uh, when he retires. That's going to be a big shoes that need to be filled. Uh, but the loss of Jesus is more than the loss of like a visionary CEO or the loss of like an amazing coach. It's not compared to the leaving of a CEO, but Jesus says it's gonna be a bit more like losing a parent. I mean, read with me verses 15 to 19. <clears throat> Um, he says this, If you love me, you'll obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he'll give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, 
for he lives with you and will be with you. And we'll sorry, it will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, verse 18. I will come to you. Before the long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. And, and he goes on. But he describes the situation. He says, I'm going to leave you, but I'm not going to leave you as orphans. And then he explains that through the spirit that he's going to send, that God's presence is going to remain with them. And also in a new way, God's presence is going to be in them. So the gift of the Holy Spirit is so valuable that Jesus says that he is okay with leaving them because he knows that they're going to be better off without his presence, as long as the Spirit of God is with them. You know, we looked at this last week. Um, Jesus says that he is going away, but once he departs and sends his Spirit, they're going to accomplish great things. They're going to accomplish even greater things. Now, verse 16 explains more. It explains why they're able to survive or to thrive even after Jesus departs. Jesus, the one who walked physically in front of them, uh, the one that protected them from angry mobs, uh, the one that answered on their behalf, uh, the one that fed them, the one that calmed the seas, the one that, that on and on and on. He says, I'm leaving, but you'll be okay. And the reason why you'll be okay is because through the Holy Spirit, God is now with them. Now, I mean, just think about this. Jesus' title, he's called Emmanuel, which means God with us. The disciples have had God with them for the whole physical ministry life of Jesus. Three plus years, God has been with them. He leaves, but he says, and God is going to be with you all over again through the coming of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is described as in these personal terms, this personal language. Uh, verse 17, uh, which I read just a few moments ago, describes the Spirit as him. That's all these like masculine pronouns that are used about the Spirit. Uh, that means that he's not an impersonal force or a concept, but is a person. He's called, in verse 16, he's called the parakletos. Parakletos. I'm, maybe I'm pronouncing the Greek word wrong, um, but this word is rendered in different translations different ways. Uh, right now, I'm uh, reading from a NIV Bible. This is actually my mom's old uh, study Bible. Um, I've enjoyed uh, reading this for the past um, couple of, for the past while, as I've been back in California, um, noticing the things that she has underlined, the little thoughts that she's uh, written. Uh, but anyway, that's beyond the point. The point is, in the NIV translation, uh, it says, I'll ask the Father, and he'll give you another counselor to be with you forever. 
the spirit of truth. Other translations render that word parakletos, they render it as another comforter or as an advocate or as a helper. Now, sometimes in our English translations, when there is a certain time that a word is translated in a variety of different ways, that always is kind of a clue that you should think, huh, there's probably a lot of significance that these various translators are trying to bring about. So as I mentioned, the word parakletos, like it technically means like someone who comes alongside and helps. Para means alongside, um, and then also helps and gives strength. Um, this word, ancient Greek writings, use this word to describe like a, a legal help, someone who comes to your defense in the court of law. <coughs> Hence the translation advocate that some translators have chosen. Um, it also is described as, you know, someone who helps when we're down, um, and the word comforter is used there, um, but also as one who makes strong. Anyway, there's all these ways to understand this title or this name of the Holy Spirit, but more than various ways of translating parakletos, the first word, another, is, I think, very interesting. He says, I'm going to send you another counselor, another helper, another advocate. And that word is alos in the Greek. And alos means another of the same kind. He says, you've had God with you this whole time. And now I'm going to leave and I'm going to send another of the same kind. You will have God's mediated presence with you in a different way. Not through the physical body of Jesus of Nazareth, but through the embodied Spirit of God as he comes to dwell in our bodies. Another presence of God in our midst, in ourselves. And he's like Jesus. He is similar to Jesus. He's Alos. He's like him. That means, and I think Sam Albury used this phrase, he's a very Jesus-y spirit. Uh, that means that he acts in such a way that is similar to how Jesus acts, which makes sense because they have the same source, which makes sense because they're Father, Son, and Spirit, one God. And so the Spirit is like Jesus. He's not like a substitute teacher that when you come into class and you find there's a, a new teacher and he is teaching the class completely different than the previous teacher usually does. Or it's not a childminder that comes and this childminder has different rules for the kids than the parents do. Nope, Jesus is saying, I'm sending someone to be the presence of God among you who is like me. The disciples and us, we're not bereft of Jesus, but in fact, Jesus is mediating his presence, God's presence is in us through God the Spirit. Now again, even just the idea of presence, like 
during this year, during this extended time of isolation and separation, we feel the lack of presence of our friends and our family. Like, like at least I do. And although we're all quick to complain about Zoom and how we don't like it and all the screens and there's challenging, uh, whenever I hop in on a Zoom meeting, if it's a Wednesday night prayer meeting or if it's a, a guy's group or if it's this or that or the other thing, somebody always says this, guys, it's just so good to like almost be in your presence, even though it's not the same thing, but yet... There's this desire that we have that will even take a substitute presence in our lives mediated through a TV screen. We feel isolated and lonely often. And there's a time when the loneliness hits even harder. And that's when we're going through a trial. When you go through a trial, and you have your friends and family rallying around you to support you, it makes the trial bearable. But when you endure hardship and you're all alone, it's almost too much to bear. We hear these stories of people um, who are alone throughout this lockdown, uh, people being sick. We we read or we hear stories of people even in COVID units uh, dying alone, um, perhaps with family in the next room if they're lucky or not, not even that. We read about this and man, it just isn't right. It, it stings because we're not meant to be alone. Uh, Jesus is saying here in this passage that the same thing is true of us spiritually. Um, we can't face the challenges of the Christian life in our own strength. Uh, we can't do it on our own if we're left alone. And that's one of the reasons why Jesus sends his spirit to be with us. We can't handle the challenges of the Christian life on our own. So God comes to live with us, to empower us from the inside out to do so. And this spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit come down, he's with us forever. He's not like a free trial, not like a sample, but is with us forever. Do you see that there in the passage? Um, not only in John 14 does Jesus describe the presence of, of the spirit being with us forever. It reminds me of what he says in Matthew chapter 28. Uh, he says, you know, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. I am always going to be with you. And then the next thing that takes place is Jesus ascends into heaven. And the disciples are there, Luke's the gospel tells us, and they're there kind of without Jesus. So I mean, which is it, Jesus? Are you going to be with us forever? Or do you leave physically? Well, guys, the way that Jesus is with us forever is through the indwelling Holy Spirit of God. Jesus is with you because the Spirit of God is with you. He's not just near us and he's not just with us, but he is within us. He's 
closer than we can imagine. And, and this relationship is more permanent than we can fathom. One of my professors from seminary, uh, Dr. Carl Laney, puts it this way. Christ's stay on earth was temporary, a mere three and a half years of public ministry. But the Holy Spirit is sent to be with you forever. What an encouragement to know that when we face burdens that are beyond our ability to cope, the Holy Spirit is ever present to provide necessary assistance. So Jesus was present with the disciples for a while and, and then leaves. But my friends, the Spirit of God is with you now and always on your darkest day and on your best day, today and tomorrow. Verse 20 says, I am in you, just like I am in the Father. Verse 23, it speaks of the Father and the Son making their home in us all through the Spirit. There's much more to be said about the Spirit's work. And that's why we have all of chapter 16 to unpack and explain and apply what God the Spirit is doing in our lives. But the thing I'm focusing on now is the promised presence that through the Spirit, Christ is with us. That though we're on our own, we're not alone because Jesus is with us through the Spirit of God. God the Trinity is present in the believer by the Holy Spirit. Like their home is made in us. Now in these days of lockdown, we're spending a lot of time in our homes. Do you know that the Father and the Son are said to make their home in you by the presence of the Holy Spirit? Sylvester O'Flynn says this, there's a divine indwelling. No longer would Jesus be seen and heard with the outer senses, but the spirit dwelling within would enable the disciples to understand more fully all that Jesus had taught. Just for me, thinking about God in me or God in you, it's, it's hard to believe. It's even harder to explain, but this is something that we take on faith. That in our feelings of isolation, in our experience of isolation, God is with you. Now, briefly, we see that Jesus has not abandoned you. He didn't abandon the disciples and he won't abandon you. In fact, through the Holy Spirit, God was with them and God is with you. And thirdly, finally, and he empowers you to live for him in these challenging days. The Spirit is there to mediate and bring the presence of Jesus in our lives, but that's not the only thing that he does. He also empowers us to live changed lives. And again, we'll speak about this more in chapter 16, but verse 15 says this, If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor, and he will be with you forever. In, in verse 15 of John 14, Jesus says, you know, there's an ethical 
aspect to following me. Don't just believe in your heart, but live with your life and follow the things that I command. The very next thing he says is, and you essentially, and you can't do that on your own. That's why you need the help of God. And that's why I'm sending the Holy Spirit, another helper to come along and to be in you, not temporarily, but forever, to empower you to obey what I command and to send you out in these challenging days. Paul says that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Can you fathom? Can you fathom the the Old Testament temple with all of its ornate um, uh, rituals and all of its gold-laden outer accoutrements? But God was said to dwell in the temple. Uh, Can you believe, can you believe, my friend, that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit? Little old you and little old me, God has come to dwell with us, not temporarily, but forever. Through the Spirit, we have the Father and the Son in us. So on that, let me just say one last time, Jesus has not abandoned you. Not now, not ever. In fact, through the Holy Spirit, God has come with you now, now today, believer, and empowers you to live for him during these challenging days. With that in mind, uh, let me pray for you. Lord, I pray for my brothers and I pray for my sisters, um, the young and the old, uh, the ones that are really truly feeling the isolation uh, in their bones right now, uh, and the ones that aren't. I pray that the closeness of, of you via the Holy Spirit uh, might might even be felt. Um, even as we have one final song to, uh, to sing together, um, that that can just be a reminder of the, the closeness um, of you to us. Uh, may this be a word of comfort, a word of refreshing to your exhausted, um, to your spent people, the good news that you have not abandoned us, but by your spirit, you're with us now and you'll empower us in the future. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for sending your spirit. We pray this in the mighty and the wonderful and the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, so we've uh, one final song for us to sing together. And uh, then we're going to end by just receiving a blessing uh, from Erica. So uh, over to Sweden, and uh, we're going to be led in a final song together. Uh, God bless you, my brothers and sisters. Um, The Lord is with you, and that is great news. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to know more about Calvary Cork, you can visit us online at www.calvarycork.org or follow us on social media.